Acts chapter 14, it'll be verse 4. Like I said, this will be more topical than it will be exposition. But I hope and pray that we would be able to find that application that's so needed in the text. Beginning in verse 4, it says, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. May this never be in the church. Unfortunately, sometimes it is, but may it never be in the church. May God bless the reading of his word. We left off last week with those that were saved. In verse 14, or chapter 14, 1 through 3, those that were saved, the miracles and the signs and the wonders that were being worked, it shows us people being transformed, Jew and Gentile alike, worshiping together, breaking bread together. This is one unique characteristic about the church of God. People from different backgrounds and different ethnic uh, environments, wherever they're coming from, they have one thing that brings them together, and that is the blood of Christ. And they can worship together. No more hostility. Peace being made. So what kind of response happens? Why is there a division here in verse 4? What kind of response does this cause? Well, we see one response, and that is those being saved and the miracles and the different things, but there's two responses. What does it do? First, one of two things, you either believe it or you don't. We talked about that last week. It's, a, it's very grounding. It's very humbling. It's sobering. It brings us down to reality. All of these mighty works could not be denied. They could not be overlooked. They had to be dealt with. And this is what happens when someone is saved. Their life is transformed forever. And when it is transformed, new things happen. And the people around them see that and they have to deal with that. And so there is a division that it brings. It brings everyone to a decision. Trust and turn by faith or burn. Confess or deny. Am I telling the truth so far? In this dividing work, we will see unity, which is odd, but we will see unity, we will see peace, we will see harmony, we will see love, but we will also see hostility, hatred, and obstinate hearts. First, two points that I'm making today, just two. My first one is this. Christ didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Christ did not come to bring peace, but a sword. My first point out of the two I will make today is that in Christ, 
in his person, in his message, in his divinity, he came to bring division. Now you say, Pastor, that kills my ears to hear you say that. Does mine too. But the scripture teaches us very clearly. He did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And before you write me off, I want you to hear both sides to this coin. Both sides to this truth. Both sides of this d division. It hurts the ears, but please let me explain. Remember in the text, what does it say? That the city was what? Divided. Some sided with the Jews who were going against the message of Christ and the rest followed the apostles. The city was divided. But I want us to keep in mind that it wasn't the, the apostles that they were divided over. It was not the, the apostles. It was the message of the apostles. The message of Christ. And it really wasn't until I began to preach the Word of God that I began to have people like genuinely have a hatred for me. I was always kind of a, a, just a nice guy. Just I didn't have any enemies. Just was just just me. When I took up the cross to preach, people didn't like the message. And that's what happens. I was met with hostility. And truly living for Christ will do this. It will bring hostility. It will bring a division between you and the world, between you and the people that you are around. So there was a division between the people. Even in the end of the world, Christ will bring the ultimate divided end. And there is already a great gulf fixed between heaven and between hell. Divided. Do we see this? Amen or no? There's a great gulf fixed between the two already. Heaven and hell. Division. Divided. Turn with me to Matthew in chapter 10. Jesus gets real with his disciples. And I'm going to get real with you today. Matthew in chapter 10. When you're there, please say Amen. Speaking on being divided. Jesus tells His disciples this in Matthew 10. And you, if you want to read this whole passage, you can, but I've got already some marked out. So please just stay with me. Matthew 10, 16 through 19. Listen to what it says. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. 
Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. This is what's happening in Acts 14 if you've not picked that up yet. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious. How you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. Look at verse 21. Speaking on this dividing message. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father his child. And the children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Listen to what it says in 23. And this is what's about to happen with Paul and Barnabas in our text. They're fixing to flee the city because they're being threatened of being stoned and they learn of it. So they flee, which is okay to do. It's okay. Verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. You see that? Paul and Barnabas, this is what they do in 14, 5, and 6, right after the city was divided. They learn of them wanting to stone them. Do you know what that consists of? They put you in a hole to where you can't get out of it, waist deep. And they throw stones at you until you are dead. Nobody wants to come to the end of their life like that. Paul and Barnabas had every reason to leave. They wanted to kill them. Verse 24 says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of the household? This is what they called Christ, and if they called Christ that, how much more will they call us that? There's that dividing. True children of the Lord, those that belong to the Lord will be maligned, will be talked bad about, will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Jump down to 31 with me in the same passage. Same passage. 31. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, listen to what it says. We know that there is a cost to take into consideration. And we're to count that cost. We're to take up our cross and we're to follow him. But it's going to cost us everything. It will cost you relationships, friendships. It will cost you money. Don't talk about my money, preacher. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you everything to follow Christ. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. 33. But whoever denies me before men, 
Whoever doesn't speak about me, whoever does not acknowledge me as Savior, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. These are Jesus' words. For I have come to set a man against his father at variance, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. See, this is dividing. The truth of the gospel is dividing. And it's meant to be. It's a sharp sword that is dividing. 38, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Following Christ will separate you from the world. It will cut you out. It will divide you from the world. What does he tell us? Come out from among them and what? Be ye separate. That is where that division takes place. Christ didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. A sword that divides. A flaming sword of judgment that will cut, bringing division. Christ tells us in part of verse John 16 and 33 this. Part of the verse, and I'm going to finish it later, he says this. In the world you will have tribulation. That's what Jesus tells us. 16, John 16, 33. In the world you will have tribulation. While we have tribula tribulation, I'll tell you why. Because those that follow Christ will be hated by the world. Plain and simple. Matthew 10, 35 tells us, I have come to set men at variance or against others. The effect of the message of the gospel, the word of God divides in the public arena, in the business, in the church, and also in the home. This is what it does. Why? This is the answer. When those of the cross receive the message of Christ... The faith of those that believe the message of Christ. Their faith. That message. It condemns those that don't believe. You ever seen that played out in your life? This is where light and darkness cannot dwell together. There's always a few. Always. The gospel condemns those that don't believe the gospel. Therefore, there is enmity. There is that hatred that's against those that believe. This is what Jesus is telling them in John chapter 10. Light and dark cannot dwell together. There's a divide. Don't think that we will get away from this. 
Yes, we will have seasons of reprieve. We will have seasons of rest. We will have seasons of peace. We will. Just as Paul and Barnabas are fixing to flee to another town for safety. But in all, when we trust in Christ and when we believe in Him, there is an enmity or a hatred that sparks and that starts. Because the righteousness that is in us, the one that is greater that is in us, condemns the world that's around us. And you just can't get away from it. So Christ tells His disciples that they would suffer. Good news. He's already told us these things. So we should be able to rejoice in our suffering. But if you're like me, I don't rejoice in it that good. I'm terrible at rejoicing in suffering. Anybody with me today on that? What happens when we begin to suffer for the name of Christ? I can't believe they would say something like that about me. Right? Start making up stories in your head of things that ain't even happened. Matthew Henry says this on this very matter. Heaven is so much opposed on earth. Heaven is so much opposed on earth because earth is so much under the power of hell. And it's true. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, we know this passage, but when we apply it to this text, I want us to see why there is so much opposition. Listen to what it says. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What's happening? Listen to the text. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. They're of their father, the devil. And we're of our father, the Lord. There's a division. Thank you, Judy. Psalms 2 even tells us this. Psalms 2. And I love Psalms 2. I preached on it not too long ago. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth, they take counsel together. They take counsel together. They set themselves against God and against His anointing saying, let us break their bands asunder or let us tear their bands apart. They cannot be constrained by the love of God. They don't want it. They reject it with everything that they have. Division. Division. So it is evident that Christ didn't come to bring peace, but rather a cutting, flaming sword. Dividing sword, a sword of judgment. And this is the first point. The dividing work of Christ. Acts 14.4 tells us that the city was divided. Not because of Paul and Barnabas. Don't ever think that. It was because of the message that they preached. 
It was because the Spirit of God that was moving in the hearts of those that were around them and Christ being seen in them set those that did not have Christ at variance against them. And the second point I want to bring out. This is my second part of the sermon. The dividing work of Christ brings unity. What? That sounds odd, doesn't it? You say, Pastor, you just told me. You just told us. It brings a sword of judgment. And yes, I did. And it does. But there's another side to this. This dividing work of God leaves us with the other side. It leaves us with the other side of, from where we've been cut away from. And so you've got one side over here that is in opposition. But then you have this other side that has been cut away from them and they are here. And there's unity there. There is a lot of good there and I'm going to show you that. Remember the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God brings about those that are cut away from the bad. So how does it bring unity? How does it bring peace and tranquility? A message that brings so much division, so much dissension, so much hatred. Well, the answer is this. For those that believe the message, unity is brought about. For those that believe the message of Christ, for those that trust by faith in the message of Christ, unity is brought about. Look at Acts 4, Acts 14 and verse 1. This is, I mean, this is the tell, tell of it right here. Acts 14 and verse 1. So much division in one town, but yet both Jew and Greeks together believed. Those that hated each other are now at peace with one another. So in this dividing work of the message of Christ, there is unity. Which sounds so bizarre, but it's true. The city was divided, but one side was brought into peace. The message was preached. Jew and Gentile were brought together as one. They were once divided, now they're not. Brought nigh by the blood of Christ, according to Ephesians and chapter 2. Making from two one new body or one new man, Ephesians 2, in Christ Jesus. That is unity. That is togetherness. That is peace. Here's another point. On this second point, the message of Jesus brings about peace. You say, Pastor, you just said he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. Yes, I did. I did, and I'm not, I'm not in contradiction at all in this message. The message of Jesus also brings about peace. Let's put it in its proper context. It says, in the world you will have tribulation, right? You better believe it. All day long, you're going to have tribulation. There will be persecution. There will be tribulation. 
That doesn't sound very peaceful. It sounds very chaotic. Yes, that is true. There's going to be hatred. However, peace has been made by Christ between us and the Father. You say, how do we have peace and division at the same time? Division on earth and peace and glory. And I would rather take peace and glory any day over division on earth. Any day. Because to be reconciled to the Father by Christ is far greater. We've been reconciled to the Father by the death of the Son. We've come out from underneath the wrath of God that we deserved and we have been brought back to the Father, able to stand before Him, canceling out that enmity, canceling out that hatred and that condemnation, bringing about reconciliation, bringing about peace. Ephesians 2, 5 through 17 says this, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. That's where the Jew and the Gentile come together. They do this by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. It says, So making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus Christ has done what no one could do. You say He came to bring not peace but a sword. It's true. It is. And these two points do not contradict at all. The rest of John 16.33 says this. Listen to what it says. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So there is a dividing nature of this message that we preach. It's true. The message of Christ is a sword cutting, separating, dividing, condemning. But in that division, for those that believe, there is peace. There is reconciliation. There is unity. There is togetherness between God and man by Jesus, between Jew and Gentile by Jesus. In the world, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. The message of Christ will do two things. It divides. It will condemn and it will save. That's what it does. I have no control over that. I preach the word of God. The chips fall where they may. Some are hardened by it. Some are softened by it. Some are condemned by it. They will reject and reject and reject. And some are made into vessels 
of holiness and righteousness that are pliable, that can be made on the potter's wheel, that can be shaped by the master from the inside out, while others just grow harder and harder. It will condemn and it will save. It will leave the town divided. Wheat or chaff, sheep or goats, saved or lost. Two points. The message brings in a division, but the message also brings in unity. And both of these are true. Acts 14 in verse 4, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we see the message of the cross and it, it does bring in peace.